parents, you're passing things down to your kids, and it turns out one of them is anxiety over subjects in school. They did a study of 450 first and second graders and their parents or caregivers. They found that kids who are math anxious, mm-hmm. we found out that parents were also math anxious. Okay, so uh, we also found out that these kids that, that are that are nervous about math in school, they obviously they learn less math throughout the year than other kids, right? Because you're scared of it, right? Right. No, and it is. There's some comfortable or some some uh, subjects you're very comfortable in, and you feel like you can thrive in. And then there's other stuff you just feel like everything they're saying is over your head, and you're just like, I don't know, I'm just trying to just trying to get a D. Now, like, if you're good at math, which I am not, but it, but if math was like your subject in school. You might not know that math anxiety is very common. One in five people report experiencing it on some level. Now, as reading that, I that made me that I like reading that. As as a kid growing up in school, that was my least favorite subject, and it did it gave me great amounts of anxiety to, having to, to do that in class, especially openly. Yeah, but wasn't that because you weren't good at it, and it was like, oh well, no, it's not. It's not so much that you were anxious about math; it was you were anxious about looking like an idiot. And it's like, oh well, I don't know exactly. I didn't remember. And how much of that is actual anxiety, and how much is that stands where I just didn't do the multiplication table homework that he had to, and it was like, oh well, I'm nervous about it. No, no, you just didn't learn your times tables, bro. You just assume I didn't learn. Oh, it? I. No, you didn't learn your times tables. All right, eight I, times seven. Come on, I, I dude, again, I, dude. I'd be I, honestly like that kind of stuff. I'd be lost at division in my head. Lost, really, lost, really. Now, I, I think it's much like food in the sense of if your mom is repulsed by mustard and she never has mustard in the house and she's like, oh, mustard. You just learn gross, to hate it. You're going to learn to hate it. So if if when you come home kindergarten, you're like, dad, help me with my math homework. Right off the bat, he has that animosity towards it and is like, ah, math, it's hard. I don't know. And even if it's just addition, he still has that little bit of resentment to it. You tune into it as a kid and you just learn to hate math. It's not that you couldn't do it. It's just that, you know, you're, 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 you're programmed to hate it. Well, well, they say that th- that the homework helps to play into this because you're going home as a student and you're asking your parents to help you. And the truth of the matter is they don't know what they're doing, especially after a certain point. I mean, yes, like I said, kindergarten, first grade, second grade when it's addition. But did you start to get into like sixth, seventh, eighth grade? It's not that those kids are smarter than adults, but you haven't used that part of your brain in forever. Like algebra, like trying to brush up on that, dude, it's not applicable in real life. Be tough to spell it. Let yeah, alone, let like do breaking it, it down. Yeah. Right. So I. Uh, Math anxious I was though, and I and it was partially because my mom was home much more often than my dad was right. to help with the homework. All right, I would have been better off with the dad there. Right out of the out of my both my parents, I I, I would guess honestly at the end of the day, my dad was smarter than my mom. Okay, and um, no, nah, I don't have to guess. My dad was smarter <laughs> than my mom. It's just that's just the truth of it. I'm sure you could figure out, right? I'm sure you know which one of your parents is smarter than the other one. Right, right, right. They're both still alive, and I feel like you don't want to. Yeah, I was going to say, they're probably both both listening right now. They're probably both listening right now. Your mom or your dad? Uh, My dad has more education, but my mom is considerably people smarter. Wow. So my dad, though. But my dad, when it comes to like who would do better on a test, my dad. Okay. If we dropped them both off in a city and they had to fare for themselves for the day. Who who does who does a better job? My mom probably. Well, no, you know what? It's my dad because my dad is very charismatic in the sense of he'll he'll talk to anybody, he'll shake your hand, he'll cheese it up with you. So. Yeah, my, my, my dad would have been yeah. better on both. He, my my yeah. dad would have been better on both too. Would have aced the test, and then uh, if you drop him off the street corner, pretty savvy, could have made it through the day. Where my mom would just be dead on the corner. <laughs> Well, she would. She would say something stupid and get smacked, and you know what I mean. That's just the way. That's just stop it, stop it. But I was I was math anxious as a kid. 
And it, part of it was is that I could tell coming home and have and working on my homework that my mom had that look of like that deer in headlight look right. on her face. She had no idea how to help me. Right. If we if we can just get him to get D's and we shove enough Mountain Dew and pizza rolls down his gullet, he'll shut up. And I then was, we can get rid of him at age eighteen. And I, I get the plan. I know what she was thinking. I uh I was a very good student. Honestly, until, until I left private school okay. and then went to public school, and then I just found, well, the rock and roll music and, rock and, and, roll and the bad kids. But I was very math anxious in school. Like history, I was really good at. Again, because all you had to do was read it and remember it. Right, I was pretty good at that. Science, English, knocked those out of the park. Math was the subject that, and it still it eludes me. You know what else I came late to? I don't want to admit this about myself because it makes me sound like I'm stupid and can't learn. But you know what I really, uh, what, what gave me a, a large amount of anxiety was, I remember it was second, second grade, Mrs. Rowell's class, and I remember, dude, I was terrified. I uh, Learning to tell time was a little bit really? of a struggle. Really? That was a little bit of a struggle. Really? If I yeah. gave you a watch right now with no I numbers t- on it. Yeah, I, I have a Movado. I okay. learned. Bye. Yeah. Right. No, be, being an adult and owning a Movado helped me learn how to tell. So, yes, I can absolutely do that. But some about it in second grade, I was like, I don't know, long hand, short one. Why is that one constantly moving? I just, yeah, dude, when she was going around the students, I was like, oh, thank God, my name starts with S. <laughs> as long as I remember what the answer was of the kid in the seat in front of me, I've got to be fine just add two minutes to that and i'm probably within the margin of error there yeah i hated that all right i feel pretty bad about myself yeah you probably should and i'm gonna go eat to feel times hard bring the lunch bell dude all right i don't know if i want you fired but i want you beat up for sure Yo, guys, fans, I'm from the Sansbury Show here. Honor Fighting Championship, bringing MMA action back to the flats. That's right. It is Honor Fighting Championship 6. It is fight night at Nautica and all goes down August 18th up in Cleveland. Now, listen, tickets are already moving fast. I don't want you to get shut out, so go get yours at honorfightingchampionship.com. The lineup is already stacked, and it includes friend of the Sansbury Show, uh, the vanilla gorilla Nick Brashear. He'll be making his MMA pro debut at fight night. You don't want to get shut out on this, dude. Tickets still available, uh, including VIP packages. Get yours at honorfightingchampionship.com. And welcome to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. We got a late start this morning. Came in uh, studio, not up and running the way it normally is. Now, uh, we had to make some phone calls, got some people up. And, uh, dude, our engineer, Grant, up early in the morning, dragged him into the building. But he did. He got here, got it up and running uh, pretty quickly. Uh, so here we are live by the second break of the show. I apologize on the late start. Uh, for those of you that were watching live via Facebook.com slash Stansbury Show, you know that we uh, are sending you out to Las Vegas twice today. Once at 8, another one at 9 o'clock for the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival. We'll do that. Also have some tickets for Breaking Benjamin and Five Figure Death Punch. That show September 9th right around the corner at Blossom. We'll get you hooked up with those as well. And joined every morning by the able-bodied Matthew Fantone, who's, uh, whose side of the board was not working and, uh, dude, I'd like to, we'll pat us both on the back. We both remain calm, cool, and, and collected. We're like, you know what? Honestly, this is the way it works. This is the way the stuff goes. Who cares? We'll get up and running when we do. And everything is just going, you know, swimmingly thus far. It, uh, it, it, it's one of those things where there was literally nothing I could do. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And once that point hit, I was just like, well, there's literally nothing what I can do, do here. And that's why I was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I stressed out for a second, but there was no use in, uh, no use in like losing, losing coolness there. Um, but we're back. We're functional. We have a, we've got a broadcast left in front of us. Yeah, know? man. Yeah. I, uh, I, and dude, I'm excited. We got some Hugh Jackson audio. We're going to run at seven o'clock at eight o'clock. We'll talk to our good buddy, Scott from winning for next year.com. Get his take 
on uh, all things Browns related. Also some Indian stories out there as well. Um, Isaiah Thomas, I know, former Cavalier, had some interesting things to say, called Cleveland an S-hole, and now he's not since apologized, which to me, again, just signifies, like, honestly, we got to be done making people apologize for things that they meant. Like, we got to be yeah. done, like, these forcing these apologies. Like, what do you really, do you really feel like you've been apologized to? I don't at all. I feel like it's like, okay, you got caught in a live moment. That's the way you feel. But because now everybody's got to be so soft and safe with everything, we now have to, the apology's worse than what you said. And I think there's got to be a little bit of self-awareness here, too. And by no means am I trying to be like, yo, Cleveland, it's an asshole. But, like, I mean, let's be real about who this guy is, what he views as important in his life, what he thinks thinks makes a city quality or not or uh, you know an area somewhere he would want to be and I can understand why dude if you're Isaiah Thomas and like you feel like you know the the bright lights and like flashy lifestyle right right, like I get it why it's like well Cleveland probably wasn't the city for you he's an NBA player so he's played in Boston he's played in Los Angeles he was in Phoenix for a hot minute and now he's in Denver which if I told most Clevelanders you could move to any one of those cities, you would pick it over Cleveland in a heartbeat. And I mean, let's be real, too. Not just an nba but I mean, a multimillionaire. Somebody who has been to, you know, fine, he's worked in all these different cities. You work in Phoenix, you work in, in L.A. or whatever. But you've been everywhere in the world, right? right? You've, yeah. been, you've been exactly all right. across the world doing all these different things. So I'm not surprised to see that, like, if you're used to that jet-setting lifestyle, like, well, why, would you, why, would you, why would you take offense to that? Dude, who cares what that dude thinks? Ohioans have an inflated sense of what Cleveland is. They just do. They have now for like the last five years where they've bought into this revitalization thing that you think has happened with Cleveland. Well, you think because Mabel's is down there now, all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Cleveland is what Cleveland is. It's going to be what it is. It's always going to be what it is. And not by no stretch like trying to knock it. It's no, just being, it's my home. You're being honest with what it exactly is and who right. you are and kind of, uh, kind of what that is. It's like when people were trying to tell me LeBron was going to choose Cleveland over Los Angeles and they, people were trying to tell me like the, the Los Angeles as a city isn't an upgrade. It's like you're insane. Only with people with no money would think LA is not an upgrade. If you don't have any money, yeah, LA would not be an upgrade because it's a terrible place to live when you're broke. But if you have any sort of money whatsoever, it's a massive upgrade in city. It, no question. I've often made the joke that you know if Northeast Ohio is the crotch of America, Cleveland is the penis in the sense of we all overinflate how big it is. Yes. We're all like, no, dude, it's it's huge, biggest one you've ever seen. It's a foodie city. And maybe it's the biggest one you've ever seen. Akron, the testicles of Northeast Ohio. That makes us Canton, Ohio the taint. But nonetheless, dude, we all just need to kind of reevaluate whether we really care what Isaiah Thomas thinks or not. Who who cares what that dude thinks? Not only did we start the show late, but now you've just called the whole county the taint taint of Ohio. Ohio, Ohio, I'm going to pick Fantone up right here. I'll take it. Just so you know, dude, the taint's working his way into oral sex now. (laughs) Like, everybody's taint friendly. Everybody taint friendly, including this show. That's probably the best place to find the break, right there? Probably. Right there. More Stansberry show, hopefully, around the corner next on Rock 106.9. Good morning. The Stansberry show. Or the god of your choosing. Best morning ever! Yo guys, Fantone from the Stansberry Show here to tell you about the Rollholt Vision Institute. It still happens to me all the time, dude. I wake up in the morning, I reach for my glasses, and all of a sudden I remember, dude, you do not need those. I got 20-20 vision thanks to the LASIK surgery I had done at Rollholt. And I'm telling you, your summertime is going to be so much easier when you don't have to worry about glasses or contacts. So if you've been thinking about LASIK surgery, I know you have some questions, which is why the Rollholt Vision Institute has made everything perfectly clear for you at their website. That is RollholtVision.com. 1069. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. 8 o'clock, we'll send you out to Las Vegas for the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival. I'll give you your first keyword of the day. Coming up at 8, 
Also, 7.30, sending you out to Blossom, September 9th, to see Breaking Benjamin, Five Finger Death Punch. That's going to be a good show. That is a good show. Yeah, I want to go to that one. I mean, they've both got a pretty big catalog, more than Huge enough hits. hits there, yeah. Huge hits. So over the weekend, uh, we had the PGA Championship. Tiger Woods was favored to win the tournament, and I thought it was crazy. I thought it was nuts that he had been favored to win the tournament. Now, people were like, dude, the Open was just like not that long ago, and he was on the final page of the leaderboard on Sunday. And I was like, okay, well, where did he finish that Sunday? It was, I believe, 10th. Okay, then you had last week, you had the Bridgestone, Akron. Of course, he's owned for a decade plus. Well, longer than that because he hasn't really been playing much. But, dude, he's won that tournament eight times. He didn't make a single birdie on Sunday. Not a single one on the final round. And actually, if you go back to his last couple of starts, Sundays are a mess. He hasn't putted well. He hasn't driven the ball well. It's because by Sunday, the body, 42 years old, he's tired. And so I thought, honestly, Tiger Woods being in contention to be picked as a favorite to win the major, what I thought was this, is his game is showing signs of life, and this is the golf media telling you he's the favorite, so what? So you'll watch the tournament. That's what I thought. Yeah, I was going to say that has to be a part of everything that happens with golf now is like, are you sincerely saying Tiger's back, or, or is this just You're the like, boy that cried wolf. we want ratings back? Exactly right. He has not played well on a Sunday in quite a while. Now, he's on the final place of the leaderboard on Sunday. Right, because of what he did on Thursday and Friday in that particular tournament. Now, this week, he did not have a great Thursday. Shot 70. That's not good. For a professional golfer, it's not great. But he lit it up yesterday, especially on the front nine. Didn't hit a single fairway and lit it up. But all day on my couch, I knew. As Twitter was going nuts, as everybody's going nuts, I was looking at the leaderboard, looking where he is, looking at how many holes he has left, and watching... Every golf tournament, not just the ones Tiger Woods is in, or not just the one Tiger Woods has a chance to win. I watch every single tournament. I knew there's not enough real estate left for him to win. Also, what you should look at before you start going overboard on the Tiger Woods story is look at the leaderboard yesterday. You take Brooks Kepka out, who has won three of the last seven majors. He's a freak of nature. And take Adam Scott out. That leaderboard's filled with a bunch of also-rans. A bunch of great golfers didn't play well this week and weren't there. That competition on Sunday is going to be different. Now, you, I will say this. Tiger, he rattled other golfers. He rattled a few of them. When he started to make that push, you could see it. Other golfers, dude, the Tiger effect is 100% real. There's a mental game with him. Or if he starts climbing up the leaderboard, dudes start getting tight and they start weirding out because they know what he's capable of. I will tell you, his game's closer than I thought it was, but still predicting him to be the favorite at a major is crazy. Given the fact that he didn't make a single birdie last week on Sunday, a single one, that's crazy. This is people reaching for Tiger to be better than he is. And here's why I'm annoyed. I just gave you a, a phenomenal stat on Brooks Kepka. He's won three of the last seven majors. For those of you that don't know, there are four majors a year. He's won three of the last seven. He won back-to-back U.S. Opens. He is a freak of nature. He's about as boring as watching paint dry. I've said it for a few years now. There's nothing to wrap your arms around Brooks Kepka, But he has the game. And this is what I've asked the question for, well, about Tiger Woods for years. What is it? Why is Tiger Woods the thing that can drive you to a TV to watch golf, that you a sport you don't care about? I keep making this point with this game that I love so much. There are guys out there doing Tiger Woods things, and you don't care. But yet when Tiger does it and falls short, 
it's still the coolest thing you can watch on Sunday. I don't get it. Jordan Spieth has been doing Tiger things. Dustin Johnson is doing Tiger Woods things. Is it now? People want to make the argument. Well, it's the it's the dominance of ten years straight with Tiger. Yeah, but but what's the excuse of being in love with it year one, year two then? Because there wasn't ten years of dominance. And I don't know if that because like when the Tigers run has been over for so long that it's like hasn't won a major in ten years. They contest four a year. So we've been we've been off of Tiger for as long as his run of dominance was. You know what I mean? Like Pretty close. So 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 there is a little bit of Pretty close. Did he just do it at the right time, though, in the sense of he was so dominant in that moment? And kind of like Ronda so. Rousey here, where, 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 now don't get me wrong, obviously golf a much more well-established thing than, than women's MMA. So, but if, if, if it's, if it's Tiger that just came out and lit the world on fire right at the right time before the rest of the competition really caught up with him, it, just like Ronda Rousey did, where she was so dominant because it's like, well, yeah, you got to give it some time for the rest of the division to catch up with you there, that that's, that that by the growth of that, his name and his brand became so strong, so big, it became bigger than the sport, and now it is watching Tiger as opposed to watching golf. Well, part of right now that why it's such a big deal is America does love fall from grace, build your way back. So yeah. that part of the story, yeah. that I understand people drive. But at the first run of Tiger, what was it? What Other than, and, and people get so mad when I bring this up. But was it just the fact of what your expectations of what an African-American athlete is and that your expectation isn't necessarily dominate the golf game? And so it's just that it's that different. So you have to look at it. But then once you're three years in and you see who he is, then why are you still? I don't understand it. If you're impressed by Tiger hitting 160, this shot yesterday, he was 164 out. He put it to four feet. If you find that impressive. There's 20 guys on tour that can do it. So if if, if 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 the swing, if the yardage, if the shot, if that's not what's impressive about it, then what is it about Tiger Woods? I don't understand it. Like I said, I think his I think it's just his brand. It is something to it where it's just it's so magnetic. It's so it's like I said, it's bigger than the game where in with that comes good and bad where it's like obviously somebody, you know, rises to that stardom. It lifts the entire game up along with them. The rise of tide lifts all boats there. Um, but then there comes to be a point where it's like, when do those things become at contrast with each other? Like, I, I wanted to be a hipster yesterday and I wanted to kick all the all the average people out of my sport. Get out of my sport. What are you doing? I, you know, every day it's always like, oh, it's so boring. Who could watch this? Who could watch this? Who could watch this? But then Tiger Woods is on there. Oh my God, everybody's live tweeting golf. Everybody's live tweeting golf. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, this sport's super boring. What are you guys doing? What are you doing? If it's boring to watch Dustin Johnson hit a 164-yard shot with his with his eight iron, then why the hell is it not boring to watch Tiger Woods do it? I mean, I, I mean it makes no sense. I, I guess look at other look at other sports and put it through that filter of like, you know, let's say then the hypothetical that Peyton Manning or like Brett Favre decided, hey man, we're going out there one more time to go, you know, to go one more season, one more season. You, so it's the old thing. He would he would make the same throws, would make the same, probably not even as good as throws as that are getting thrown off of like you know Matt Stafford or whatever. But like there would be that level of like I can't keep my eyes off of it, and I don't know if it, I don't know if that's age. I don't know what that is, but those certain stars you're going to be more drawn to them just because it's like, hey, he's back out there. I think this would apply in other sports. I do. I think if this were a football story, if some if some NFL player was dusting it off, a quarterback was dusting it off one more time to go to go let it lose, dude. Peyton Manning was doing that. I don't think America. Uh, could, I don't think America could take their eyes off. That's a fair point. I don't. I don't think they could. I'm being told via Twitter, Tiger's fun to watch. Look at yesterday. He didn't hit a single fairway in the front, and he's still making birdies again. 
Again, I know, and there is truth in that, and there is part of people like he did. He kind of had to scramble to pull it together. And so it looks like golf you play. I'm going to give you a major, major golf name who that's true every week. And it, had it not been for Tiger Woods, would have been the most accomplished golfer of his era. His name is Phil Mickelson, who plays the way you do all the time. Phil is in the woods every tee box and then pulls it out of the woodwork and then sure enough makes birdie. Does, do golfers look for that? And I guess maybe there's a little bit of delusion here, but you are looking for somebody who plays like you? I don't know why, but yeah, there's some, because you can do it. I remember I was saying when, when I went to the bridge show and I told that woman, I mean, there I, we were in the VIP tent and I said, what is it about golf? I come here, I watch this, and now I want to leave here, I want to go hit my eight iron. I never go to a basketball game and think to myself, you know what, I got to work on my jumper tomorrow. Yeah, but I think even dudes who are playing like rec league hoops, who are playing in the 40 and over league rec league hoops, I think they see the, the, the Warriors and they see that real difference, but maybe then again, but then there probably is some delusion where it's like, man, if I would have just kept at it, dude, coach wouldn't have screwed me over. Yeah, Dude, golfers have this thing that they feel like if, dude, most people who play golf really do believe this, that if they had, if they, if, if somebody would just give them enough money where they didn't have to work, they could practice enough and play professional golf and they're crazy crazy. Your local golf pro at your club that gives you lessons is so far away from being able to play on the PGA Tour. I know a guy. My buddy played on tour. And he'll tell you. He, Dude, I've seen, I've seen my buddy, dude, hammer drunk shoot 66. Seen it with my own eyes. And he'll tell you. If he went out there and played with those guys, he'd get beat by 15 today. It's just one of those things, dude. It's that much further. But I don't, I, I, I just don't understand it. Like, if the game's boring to you, I think Tiger Woods would be boring. Like, it's not like a more interesting version of something you like, like basketball, like right. that guy dunks and this right, guy doesn't. Right. You still like hoops. I don't understand it. I don't understand what about Tiger Woods makes you go from, that sport's boring, we'll never watch it, it's not impressive, I don't understand it, it's too slow, I hate it, to you can't stop watching it and you're captivated. I, what's, the, what's the X factor in Tiger Woods? There isn't one. The rest of the guys on tour are all doing things like this. I don't understand what pushes Tiger. Now, I'm happy about it because ratings are going to go up and literally if Tiger Woods starts playing better golf courses will not close this year like the dude he moves the needle that much that's what makes him the most dominant most powerful dude LeBron's not even close Tiger Woods is way more important to his sport than, than LeBron is way more it's not even close Tiger Woods is that much more important and that much more dominant it's crazy I just I don't understand what makes it drive it more Sansbury show and Hugh Jackson's insane reason for putting Antonio Callaway on the field is next on Rock 106.9 The Stansbury Show I have got to get in on this Rock 106.9 Welcome back to The Sansbury Show we're on Rock 106.9 7.30 we'll send you to see Breaking Benjamin Five Finger Death Punch also part of that show September 9th Blossom then at 8 o'clock we'll send you out to Las Vegas for the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival. Then at 9.30, somebody's trying to sell you snake oil on how to help you stay motivated at the gym. It's snake oil. You don't need it. I'll debunk the whole thing. That will be at 9.30. I'm taking a a bunch of heat on my takes on Tiger. And people are like, dude, he's the greatest ever. And so I just had to ask, I said, well, what about Jack Nichols? Because if we argue it the way people argue Michael Jordan, LeBron... LeBron can't be better than Michael because of the chips. Well, Jack's got more chips. He's got more. Four more, as a matter of fact, I believe. So what about that? There's a thousand ways to argue this. Well, Tiger had a harder time. You know, he grew up in the media era. You know what I mean? He grew up in the media era. It's harder. Okay, that's true. That is, there is going to be some truth to that. I could also say 
They give these guys car doors now to hit golf balls that are designed to fly as far as humanly possible. When Jack was playing, he had two inches of wood and a ball that honestly you could barely whack at. Speaking of car doors, you got a you got a you got a putter over the weekend. What the hell is that thing? What, what like what on earth? Like what? Yeah, people are upset about the putter. What? Tell me. I, I just I've never seen that thing before. Okay, so I wasn't going to do this. But you can see it, Dan.Stansberry at Instagram, where's where you can see my putter. I bought a, uh, there is a, the most famous, probably the most famous putter designer ever works for the club manufacturer that I play, Titleist. His name is Scotty Cameron. And Scotty makes the best putters there are. It's, I mean, do most top tour pros are playing a Scotty Cameron putter unless they're being paid to play somebody else. Now, when you're a tour pro, you can pretty much hit anything. Those guys could go out there with a rake and beat you by 30. Doesn't matter, right? Because they just have the game. But still, you know what I mean? The better something's made, the better it's going to be. So a buddy of mine has a friend who's got a friend, knows a guy, whatever, has got like a thing where you can he can order you a putter and save you a little bit of money. So I got a putter. I got, for golfers, I got the Scotty Cameron Futura 6, uh, which was considered to be 2017's best putter. Um, so it was last year's model. It was considered to be the best putter made last year. Um, I've played two rounds with it, and I can tell you, I, I mishit it once on Saturday. I mishit it. And I said to my buddy, there's no way that's close. And sure enough, it tracked almost all the way to the hole. And I was like, oh, my God, if you can mishit this thing this well and still have it be that accurate, I'm a fan. I like it. In my mind, I think putters were just like... The putt putt club, you know no. what I'm saying? Like, I, it looks like a, it almost looks like a drone or something. Somebody in the in the Facebook comments was yeah. like, "Dude, I thought it was a drone," and it kind of, it, like it, it just doesn't. It's bizarre. There are two counterweights behind it that are designed to have you pull it back straight. It's why you've seen a lot of the over grips, the big grips on putters these days, is because you're, people are trying to do what they call what golfers call take your hands out of it, and so you're trying to pull it back with your shoulders and try to pull it back even and square. And so the counterweights behind the putter blade help you do that. And uh, and I love it. Yeah, I did not pay retail. I'll tell you, retail they're like four fifty something like that. I did not pay retail. I got a pretty good deal on it. I still paid a lot of money. It was still a lot of money, but uh, I did not pay retail. People kept calling me rich, and I was like, I'm not rich. I'm just stupid. I just, <laughs> Very big difference. <laughs> I'm not rich. I'm just stupid. Very big. Those difference. are the, the those are the things. And honestly, truth be told, I don't even play well enough to own the damn thing. But I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm all alone. I've got no happiness. You dicks, leave me alone and let me have my goddamn titleist putter. What's the matter with you people? So uh, last week, Browns played preseason. Everybody going overboard on Baker Mayfield, myself included. He's a pro quarterback. I told you. And uh, I don't know if he's A, B, or C, but I think he can play pro quarterback. I do believe he is probably a pro. I don't think he's going to bust. Um, I don't think he's going to be a world beater either. I think he's going to be somewhere around a B plus. Which honestly, I think you can win a title with a B plus quarterback. So I'm okay with it. All right. Um, but there was something weird that happened. We know the Browns' uh, wide receiver situation kind of weird. Uh, don't know what's going on with one of them. We're courting two other guys. Uh, neither one of them picking up the phone. Now one tweeting said, "Yeah, I'm going to come visit you. We'll find out." Then they had some issues with a rookie that they drafted, moved up in the draft, as a matter of fact, to take Antonio Callaway out of Florida, who had some off-the-field issues. The Browns were well aware of it and thought, yeah, you know what, we're still going to move forward because God knows a lot of these athletes have off-the-field issues. Not going to be Antonio Callaway, not the first one. For those of you that don't know, was pulled over, I believe it was around 3 a.m., somewhere near Strongsville, from what I understand. Some loose weed underneath the front seat of the car and a gun piece, which I'm hearing is a straight, like a, a backstrap to like the grip itself, from what I understand. Now, we're hearing that the car got shipped from friends from Florida up to Cleveland. I'm hearing that the league and the Browns and the 
cops, all three believe that side of the story and believe that he was not smoking the marijuana. I guess that to be good. But now the Browns then are like, look, we're disappointed by what happened with Antonio Callaway, but we're not going to punish Antonio Callaway is what I heard John Dorsey say. Now, I think the league's going to have to. You were caught with an illegal substance. It's not yours, whatever. That's fine. You know, the dog ate my homework. I'm not sure Roger Goodell is going to care about that necessary excuse. It's going to, see, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But then the Browns decided to play Antonio Callaway. It had everybody scratching their heads like, whoa, 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 we're not going to bench the kid a quarter? We're not going to make him earn this? You know, the whole thing is, nobody's got the stripes on the helmet because you're earning them stripes. Even though, come first game, you all have to be in the same uniform to take the field. So whether you've earned the stripes or not, guess what? Stripes are coming on your helmet. The whole thing's stupid. The whole thing like reeks of seventh grade. I know there are a lot of guys on Twitter who are like, I like the earn the stripes movement. Meanwhile, dude, if you're going to play game one, guess what? Going to have to have the stripes. Means absolutely nothing. This is all lip service BS. It's all stuff that they think matters, which doesn't. If you think a stripe on a helmet is going to motivate a, a guy being paid $10 million a year, I don't think it will, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've never played professional football, never coached it. Maybe my turn will be next year. But they left Antonio Callaway not only in the game, but left him in the entire game. Not only played him, but left him in the entire game. Hugh Jackson explained why they did it. Here's that. Part of the consequence of what he's been through. He knows it. That's what it was. Either you sit him or make him play. I thought it was better to make him play, make him play as long as he could. A couple of times he kept waving to come out and said no. Stay in. And the way he persevered, did you he, like that? I did. He worked through it. I mean, there was times, like I said, he had his hand. I'm sure you guys said hands on his head like this. And he was ready to go to the sideline. We go, uh-huh, you're back in there. So he fought through it and, and came out the other side of it and made some plays. So that was, that was good. Yep, that's dumbass. For those of you that couldn't hear it, it's because it's 2018 and sports media hasn't figured out how to, how to mic up a press conference yet. For the life of me, get a lapel mic on the goddamn coach at some point, guys. Get your act together. What he was saying is, yeah, we left him in there as punishment for what he had been through. Not only did we let him play, then we made him play the whole game. He was tired, wanted to come out. We wouldn't let him. So now this is now we've seen both methods of this out of Hugh Jackson this year, a guy who I've defended now for a, for a couple of years. We're letting stars take rest and not practice because they're stars. Meanwhile, dude, the team went 0-16 last year. Heads up, Hugh, you don't have a star. Not a single one yet. And then now punishment for doing something wrong is we're going to wear an athlete out. We're going to wear you out. So now the coaching decision is, you know what, yeah, I'm willing to risk wearing you out and risk an injury because you were caught out at 3 o'clock in the morning. So now you're letting stars not practice, not get ready enough to play, and now the punishment is wear your athletes out? This is dumb on both ends. And I, I think kind of too, like, isn't a vast majority of the time, especially when you're dealing with like professional athletes, now if you're dealing with 7th graders, then yeah, dude, make them Early run extra strikes. laps and, you yes. know, Make them, make them, make them know you're going out there, even though we're getting blown out. For sure. But we're talking about professional athletes here, and at the end of the day, this guy should want to be able to go out there. I feel like if anything, you're giving him what you, you know what I'm saying. Like this came off to me like what my brother used to say about out of school suspension. You mean you're going to let me stay home because I got in trouble? All right, then I'm going to get in trouble. I mean, and it's a preseason game, too. It's not like he was out there just, like, being, like, dominated, like, getting beat up and, like, boy, that's really the punishment. And you're right. If that was the case, it's even more counterproductive. But, like, dude, you're a professional athlete. You're a pro football player. Like, you should want to be out there. Yeah, I... To me, the punishment would be you want to be out there so bad because you're a football player, so no, you don't get to hit the field. Therefore, yes, you are not allowed out there. No, that's the no you're, you're, on, you're on punishment. We're not giving you the opportunity to go go score touchdowns because that's exactly that's what you want. 
Dude, I, you you have been a Hugh Jackson defender for for a long time, and like that that is a bit of a head scratcher, dude. This was this was a rough this was rough. And 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 you bring up the point of of well, you know, hey, we're trying to avoid you know bruises and hamstrings and you know torn groins and stuff like that. So we're gonna let guys Miles Garrett not practice. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I, I got to tell you, it's not. It's not the week before the game. Like, the week before the first game, game one, okay, maybe you're letting your studs sit. But, dude, we're talking we're talking six weeks out here. What, are you just gonna knock, you're not going to put them in, in any live situations? That, to me, is too much analytics. Seriously. And I know that was supposed to be Sashi's thing, but we know analytics are part of sports. We know there's a whole department in there. That, to me, is still analytics driving what we're doing. Oh, yeah, the, the athlete's body can't handle it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If you, if, if you got to let them practice. You got to let them gel. You were 0 and 16. I want, them, I want a cohesive unit. That's what you have proven not to be able to be yet. Now, I know you look pretty good in one preseason game, but guys, I mean, again, Deshaun Kaiser lit it up preseason game number one. He did. He lit it up. So you, you got to temper it. But I got to tell you, dude, as a guy who's defended Hugh Jackson for multiple years, I, I did I, so far... <laughs> Uh, thus far, dude, I didn't love what I saw in Hard Knocks. I didn't love it. And I, I got to tell you, I, outside of them winning the game and Baker made, uh, Tyrod Taylor, too, he did. He looked good. But outside of Tyrod and Baker looking good, which has been a huge problem here for the Browns, you got, I got to admit, I don't want to just like shove like, hey, man, quarterbacks look good. Shove that underneath the rug. But that out of huge, that's the decision making you're making? Not gonna lie though, I'm thrilled to see Hard Knocks tomorrow. Like, can't already 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 looking forward to it. Already like, man, dude, can't wait to see it. They've got me sucked in. They do, and they, they do. The only reason I care about watching Hard Knocks tomorrow is I want to see. Do we get another text message from our number one offensive weapon? Do we get another one that tells us we're almost gonna see him? I can't wait to find that that out. That's what I want to watch Hard Knocks for tomorrow. I want to know where my number one wide receiver is because in any other 31 teams in the NFL they would be asking the question the uh the head of show or the the main guy on hard knocks um, was questioned about Josh Gordon and he said he saw no evidence that hard knocks is what pushed him off the team thank you he said he was like he was like guys thank honestly you. he's like on any day to day we've got probably four or five camera people out there and maybe a couple of others it's not like this is this huge crew and I, I in the NFL training camp 10 people get lost in the shuffle real quick. Ten, ca- 10 people and three cameras, that gets lost in the shuffle a real fan quick. fan made it onto the field in Pittsburgh. So yeah, you can lose track of people. Like, yeah, exactly right. It, it's not like... It's exactly not, right. It's not like that camera crew would be following Josh Gordon 24-7, like messing with him mentally. It's like, dude, there's a million cameras out here. We're just three more of them. He's been releasing film of him working out. He's not afraid of the cameras. That's not what it is. This was all just smoke and mirrors. Where is my number one wide receiver? Answer the questions. It was a plan to send him away from camp, right? Okay, tell me when the plan to get him back is. Yeah, it's because you don't have one. More Sansbury Show right around the corner. You guys hang on. Nine. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're about to pass out those Breaking Benjamin Five Finger Death Punch tickets. 1-800-243-7625. The number you'll need on those. Again, 1-800-243-7625. Is the number you'll need. Phantom before the break was making fun of me for the putter I bought. I bought a Scotty Cameron. Uh, I told people to head over to my Instagram, dad.stansbury. Then I realized, you know what? A lot of you probably don't have Instagram. So I posted at facebook.com slash Stansbury shows where you could see uh, four different pictures of the putter I bought. And yeah, everybody thinks it looks like a spaceship. Uh, But Matt, a guy who listens to us, um, who has played multiple times in a U.S. Open qualifier, is a scratch golfer, says, just... 
He's like, everybody can go to hell, dude. He's like, just wait till you start making putts from all over the place, which I already was this weekend. I mishit it a couple of times on Saturday. Bad. I mean, way, way inside, and it still tracked really well. It's almost like having a cheat code. That thing's pretty great. So if you want to see photos, that's how you do it. I don't want you to throw it away or anything. I'm glad you have it. I like it. You know what it was, honestly? And I didn't want to... My boss was like, don't go overboard with that. But you guys listen to the show pretty religiously every day. And um, that has awarded us a ratings bonus. Yeah. And so I decided to take a small portion of that and, and... buy myself a putter with it because I felt like, dude, if you don't celebrate victories, then what are you really doing? Then, yeah. then, then what are you alive for? You got to yeah. celebrate victories. 100%, dude. And so I just wanted to feel good about something. So I went out and, and that's what I did with it. All right. We've heard it a million times when it comes to women. We've heard both theories, right? Women just want to be taken care of. They want comfort. Uh, they want security. And so they'll chase the dude with, with a little bit of money, with a good job. And that's why, because they want security, right? But then you've also heard this. Women want a bad boy. They want a rebel. And I can't deny the fact that there are women out there that want both things. Um, or women, that, that there are both women out there that want one of each thing. And then, honestly, I think there are women out there that want a little bit of both, right? Because welcome to human beings. Right. It kind of goes along all things there. But we've kind of heard this, that the bad boy kind of attracts the women. And I could see it because there is something romantic about a rule breaker. There's something romantic. This is why you, all the time, this is why people always claim they have wonderlust. I have wonderlust. No, what you have is a desire not to go to work anymore. You don't really have wanderlust. You just don't like the fact that you are stuck somewhere 50 hours a week. That's what you have. You don't want to work. And so rule breakers kind of come off as romantic figures that way. And so they look appealing. I think, you know, everything in pop culture kind of gives us that push younger, you know, that like, you know, from whether it's whether it's smoking in the boys room or whether it's a leather jacket or whether it's a tattoo. You know what I mean? There's a million different things along the way where you kind of get pushed in that where you don't necessarily view that person as like, hey, that's stability, but it's excitement. Yes, exactly right. Like there's there's fun involved in that. Yeah. Like I don't know what's going to happen next is very fun. It's thrill seeking essentially is what you're doing. Now my best guess is that and I don't know this to be true, but my best guess would be is that eventually that that flame then gets put out pretty easily. Yeah, I I think that's been true at least for me where it's like there are people that have been in my life and I'm like, yeah, dude, this is exciting. This is awesome and then it gets exhausting. You know what I'm saying? There's there's a really fine line there where it's like, oh, I don't want this anymore. Exactly right. So now they're going to try to teach you how to be a little bit more of a bad boy. Now again, I always when I read these self-help articles and they tell people who are not naturally confident to be naturally confident I or try to be more natural, I tell you all the time, it's not who you are. It's going to come off as weird. You're going to come off as cocky and a dick. It's going to go sideways for you. But they say adding a little rebellion is probably not a bad idea. And they say, like, your outfit can do this, right? They say, get a little edgier with your outfit. Like, they tell you here, and the advice they give you is start with a black blazer, like dress coat thing, thing right, and a white T-shirt. Then if you add a little, like a a pair of slightly distressed jeans, you have contrast and interest in that outfit. Now, again, what I would tell you about why that outfit's going to draw attention to you is, is a guy who, again, I was out to the bar Saturday night, was in Lobies, right? There was nobody in there wearing a sport coat, a a t-shirt, and a pair of jeans, a little bit more dressy, right? So if you were, then yeah, I would imagine then some eyes are going to be drawn to you, right? Isn't that, you're just dressing above what the standard would be, so you're going to be noticed. Are they saying it like work, or are they saying social situations, and I guess... It doesn't give me that. Okay, because I was going to say, I guess there's a little bit of difference there of what you can do, and obviously where you are is going to make make a big difference too. Um, if you try to pull that, you're right around here. It might not necessarily, you're going to be looking
looked at kind of like, oh, that's different. What's where, happening? Where if you're in other areas of the country, that's probably a pretty par for the course look. They say another thing you could do here to add a little bit more Rebel is uh, trade in your watch and get one of those leather cuffs. I I don't want a leather watch band. I don't I don't want that. Um, but wearing a leather jacket with a dressy shirt is a better way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, once you start getting into accessories, you kind of already have to be established as that person. Like, if you just start coming off with like, yeah, dude, I'm gonna wear this studded belt all of a it's sudden weird. out of nowhere, dude. Yeah, people are gonna look it's at weird. you. Now, great. I like watches. I'm a watch person, but I'm not. I'm not about the the leather cuff thing. If you want to add more bad boy into your repertoire, they say come on a little stronger. I disagree. In the Me Too era, I would not come on any stronger than you're coming on right now. Um, but they say, you know, bad boys are a little bit firmer. They just are. They're, uh, you know what I mean? They, they make uh, the first move. They move quick. Um, they, you know, they're kind of like a take no for an answer and not, you know, a take no for an answer kind of person. I just be like, eh, you know, I, I don't know, dude. Like, it's a very weird. We were just telling this you this story last week about how I met a woman while she was at work, and I didn't feel appropriate asking her out because it's like, dude, the world is different. It's changed. It's like you got to be got to be cognizant of of what the environment is. I would not recommend getting any firmer or or you know, and mean stronger about how you're coming on. I disagree with that. I think that that's probably a bad plan. I would. There's a fine line there, and you have to be able to know how to ride it. And if you're going to err on one side or the other, erring on the side of caution, caution. is your better bet. Yeah, I'd rather miss out on an opportunity than overshoot right. it and find right. myself in a 100%. massive amount of trouble. Breaking Benjamin, Five Finger Death Punch, playing September 9th. Blossom will take the 17th caller right now, 1-800-243-7625 on those. and we'll be right back with more Sansbury Show. You guys hang on. The Stansberry Show. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRadio. This is a dream come Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show and Rock 106.9. Sending you out to Las Vegas after we talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Get his take on everything Browns related coming up here shortly. 8 o'clock. We'll do that. Taking a lot of uh, a lot of heat on the putter I bought. Facebook.com slash Sands Ray Shows where you can see it. A lot of heat on the putter I bought. People are mad about how much money I spent. You don't even know how much money I spent. I never even told anybody how much it was. Are you guys mad about that? Who cares? I will say for most of you, it would have been a car payment. It was a lot of money. It's all right, buddy. You deserve it. You, you earned it. You know how I am with this kind of stuff, though, dude. Like, I, I just, I, I don't do that well. Like, I don't spend g- like a lot of money well. I can, I can fifty dollars spend all day, but like multiple hundreds, I don't do that well. I always do. I felt, I feel very guilty about it. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I wouldn't. I don't hang up on it. Don't turn that Facebook th- 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 notifications off. Don't let them tell you anything. You know, what people. You know, people have been asking me. So, so it's that much better, huh? Yeah, it's a little bit more accurate, but I will also tell you the one thing it does is when you spend a lot of money, you end up really taking your time when you're hitting it because you think to yourself, you spent money on this, dude. Make sure you hit it right. Okay. And so you end up, so that alone, it like helps you like bear down, and I have taken my putting more seriously since I've gone. More than anything, it just looks like a spaceship to me. Like, awesome. I, I, I really did think putters were just like a little like, like blade. Yeah, like they a used little to be. four inches of metal right there, they and like you just give it a little tap. That's what I always thought they were. I didn't know, I didn't know we had stepped into like the five blade razor system. 2018, here. four inches isn't going to get it done anymore, buddy. <laughs> not for anyone. Not going to get it done anymore. Will not. I've got, I've got numbers here that that I don't think the math shakes out on these, and okay. I think honestly, if the math is going to continue to be this poor, that maybe we don't do this anymore. But apparently, Stark County had twenty two OVI checkpoints. I don't know if this was over the weekend. I'm getting this from the CantonRep.com. No, I'm sorry. This was twenty two sobriety checkpoints during the past nine months. Okay. Okay, 
it resulted, you know what, guess Phantom. Now, the way I set that up, you know the number's low, right? So 22 OVI checkpoints over the last nine months resulted in how many DUI arrests, do you believe? I'm going to guess probably uh, there's got to be at least 10 per, so 250, 300, something You're like that. way, way over. Way over. You're not even in the same ballpark. Okay. 22 OVI checkpoints over a nine-month period, if I'm reading this right from the CantonRep.com, resulted in just eight, 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 eight DUI arrests. Stark County Sheriff George Meyer's office, which helps coordinate the multi-agency effort through the use of grant money, released task force-related statistics over uh, the other morning. Eight drivers were arrested for operating a vehicle under the influence of alcohol or drugs, and 30 driving under suspension citations were issued as well, according to the press release. 6,492 vehicles were included in the checkpoints, with 5,500 of them right around there um, had been checked. One vehicle was seized and one person was charged with trafficking in drugs. Now, that's obviously good. I want to see drug traffickers taken off the road. Yeah. Okay. But in nine months' time, 22 checkpoints and only eight people had been arrested for driving under the influence. So are what's happening here? Are the numbers of people who have been driving under the influence, have they been conflated to be to make people afraid of this? To, 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 right. So then they can scare you into signing off on more things where more of your rights are given away? Because, Fantone, you are very, very, very anti-DUI checkpoint. 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, to me, you are not a criminal for having a driver's license. Now, if they pull you over for a busted taillight or for swerving or for not using your turn signal, we're in a completely different conversation. But your Fourth Amendment, you know, that gives you the right to not be stopped and harassed and searched for no reason. And you, if I'm being honest, it feels third world country to me. You, a little. you do you like I said, you have broken no laws by being out on the road by just by well, you happen to be driving down Tusk at that exact moment. Therefore, we're going to stop you and look in your car. I have a serious problem with that. That privilege, was, not a right. That was that was before. Well, it, it, I mean, if that's going to be the case, is then it needs to be up, up up front, and we all need consent to like. Well, then you're going to have to do that, and you're going to have to take a drug test when you drive a car, and you're going to have to do all these different things. I think you're overstepping the boundaries there. I understand privilege, not a right, and I I 100 percent agree with that when it comes to driving but i'm in my own property i've broken no laws there is no there's your no own re- property is the best argument because honestly cars cost thirty thousand dollars and you paid it there's no reasonable there's no reason for you to stop me and until there is a reason now if there's a reason once again like you do something wrong well then Speeding, we're talking left but, of center but that's that's not what happened here just you happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time in your own personal property and you shouldn't be treated so like a mad, criminal for that so to mad who's going to say to you well if we stop how many people from drinking and driving if we stop how many people from dying behind the hand of the wheel it's worth losing a little bit of your freedom i disagree with that i will disagree with that i don't know what that number is certainly not eight is the number um but at the end of the day i mean that right is 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 god given to you that right it's it's a part of being an american and i understand with that's going to be like well there's some sort of negative on the flip side of it but the fourth amendment exists for a reason and i think it should apply to your car when you're traveling and not breaking the law if in nine months we're catching this is what i know for sure if in nine months we're catching eight drivers uh, you know what i mean driving hammered then we're doing these at the wrong time. Also, here's the other thing. The fact that you have to tell us where and when you're going to be doing them 
kind of then is that's what's also creating less of these numbers. Also, let's talk about the elephant in the room. My best guess is is that OVI checkpoints used to catch a ton of people driving drunk, but now with the explosion of Uber and Lyft, probably not as many. Which, good thing, you know what I mean? Like, right, the I, marketplace has created a solution for a problem. You know, I, by, by, by saying, like, well, I don't want OVI checkpoints, that's not me saying I want drunk drivers. No. You know what I mean? Like, of course, uh, 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 of course, of course, that's a good thing, but you can't, you just can't, like... Uh, you you are not a criminal for doing nothing. You you have the right to not be stopped. And especially, dude, once we talk about eight DUI arrests, now don't get me wrong, I think it's great that you get suspended licenses off the streets because at the end of the day, you're not taking care of your business, therefore you did something wrong. But still, if the intentions of this were to stop DUI accidents, were to stop They're drunk not. drivers, that's not what's happening here. They're not. And therefore, then something's wrong in this equation. I've said forever that this has got nothing to do with stopping. They don't care about stopping DUIs. The state doesn't care about you. They don't care about your safety. They don't care about anything. Nobody cares about you. What they care about is your money. That's what they care about. And that's why they write all the other citations too. If this was simply about a DUIs, they'd be like, all right, well, we're, we're looking for DUIs. They're not looking for that. They're looking for money to line their pockets. How much money did all this cost though? And that's part of the problem is too, is that like, I would have to assume for all those officers, for all the, for everything that has to go into that, that's going to be a pretty significant amount of money. And if all you're getting is eight DUIs off the streets, I mean, was, was that money worth it? And not, dude, if you would have told me you only caught eight drunk drivers in the weekend, I would have thought that was low. In nine months, that's all you caught? You're either A, asleep at the wheel, B, doing these things in the wrong time, or C, telling people when and where we're doing them makes them ineffective. But one of those things, or a combination of three, needs to be true. We'll pass out a trip out to Las Vegas for the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival, and we'll also talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. That's all next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Rock 1069. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Sands Show. We're on Rock 1069. We'll send you out to Las Vegas momentarily here. We'll give you your first keyword of the day. We have to uh, first, however, talk to our good buddy Scott from winningfornextyear.com at WFNY Scott on Twitter. My man, I know you've seen this video already because I'm pretty sure your Twitter timeline is where I saw it because honestly, you guys break a lot of the Brown stuff uh, for me. It's where I read a lot of my Browns information. But I know you've seen this video of Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackson. Addressing the media saying, yeah, dude, we played Antonio Callaway and we played him the entire like preseason game as punishment for what he did for, you know, the being out at 3 a.m. and, you know, getting, you know, pulled over and that whole thing. And so now like this guy and I've been a Hugh defender. I have. I've been a Hugh apologist. But now we're like letting players not practice so to make sure like their bodies aren't worn out. But then when we want to punish you, now we're going to take our, our future wide receiver and punish your body all out. Like, dude, none of this is making sense, right? Uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, um, yeah and I, I think the, I think one of his quotes was, "If he has the energy to be out at three in the morning, he has the energy to play a full football game," which I kind of dug. Actually, I mean, I think it sets the stage for the, for the uh, you know for this team. I think that if they're going to instill some discipline, um, it's got to start now. And they, and and you know, and I think, pra- you know, the practice thing, uh, which is getting a huge, um, you know, a lot a lot of criticism for because of hard knocks and how they. Have been given veteran days to guys who really aren't veterans. Um, I think that's one thing, um, but I, I think you know with with a the, with the meaningless preseason game, um, you know where you you know the kid needs the reps anyways. Um, um, so I mean, yeah, had he gotten hurt, it probably would have been the, the downside to that is clearly much much uh, bigger than the than the upside. 
But uh, I think I think the message was sent, and I think you know you just got to hope this kid keeps his head on straight. All right, let's address the big elephant in the room as we're talking to Scott from winningfornextyear.com, which is I don't care what the team says, and I think the team's saying the right thing. And honestly, for the first time in a while, I think the team actually wants to do the right thing here, which is I think Dorsey and Jackson do want to sit Baker Mayfield the entire year. And I, after seeing the first preseason game, I want Baker to sit more now than ever because I think if he does sit the entire year, you really teach him the position. Look what happens. I think you got a good look at that with Aaron Rodgers. I think there's been you know other you know um, great quarterbacks in the league that didn't play the first time around, uh, first year around, and then next thing you know they you know the speed of the game and that much. But the fans want a quarterback controversy. Now, Tyrod Taylor played the other night, too, and he, I, I think his quarterback rating was perfect. I thought Tyrod looked great, and I'm excited for him to be the starter. But a lot of people fear the hesitancy to like throw the ball down the field, and he takes the sacks and things like that. The fans want a quarterback controversy. So let me ask you, are they going to get their quarterback controversy? Well, I'd argue the media does, too, because I think it's great for clicks and discussion and debates no and things. I mean, you can go you can go down the dial on any of these sports channels, and, you know, that, that kind of stuff fuels full segments. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't want a quarterback controversy. I say, I, you know, I've been since, since the day they drafted Baker. I mean, we've been talking about it. Um, you know, I think if in an ideal situation, he doesn't play a single down this year. Um, that's why, you know, they brought in Stanton as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, truthfully, if on week one, it wouldn't surprise me if Baker's inactive. Um, you know, well, just to just to not even have the risk of if if Tyrod were to go down, that he would have he would be the guy. Well, now at that point, I think you I think you'd be you'd be then you'd be you're really looking at a situation where you could argue right now that Tyrod helps your team win. Um, where if you if 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 it's between Baker and Drew Stanton, I think your your situation's a little different and and with that. But no, I think I think Tyrod is was brought here to start. Then and, and uh, barring a Two and eight record at the bye week, you know. I think I think that's going to be the case now. I mean, again, yeah, I know he actually takes the sacks. Yes, he's a little hesitant, but not taking sacks and not being hesitant is what got Deshaun Kaiser traded. Exactly um, right. You know, I think I think you had a you have Deshaun Kaiser. I think he had eight red zone turnovers last season, and and Tyrod Taylor has six in the last three years. So it's you know the, those are the kind of things that really change the momentum of football games. And again, I argue if if you take Kaiser's turnover rate and make it average. This, this Browns team, does, it wasn't 0-16 last year. I like how we talk about Baker, we talk about Ty Rob, but nobody's talking about Brogan, dude. Put some respect on that guy's name right there. Um, one of the one of the things that the quarterback, whoever it is and however it comes out, is is going to have to do is going to have to make some uh, some completions to his wide receivers. And at this point, I feel like the wide receiver position is such a question mark for the Cleveland Browns. Um, do you know anything about uh, about Josh Gordon when he return or plans to return? And if he were to not return for game one or whatever, what are the Browns going to do? Who is going to be the main wide receiver well he, he keeps teasing you know things left and right we talked about it last week we thought he'd be there on tuesday because of the contract situation he uh was uh tweeting or instagramming videos of you know with the date eight eight eighteen on him think so everybody thought he was going to be back on the eighth you know so i don't know um and i i do think regardless of if and when Josh comes back, I, Jarvis Landry is going to be your number one guy. Um, you know, they brought him here and they paid him a ton of money to be that guy. Now he, he is a slot receiver, and that they're trying to move downfield a little bit to kind of erase that stigma. Um, but he's a high possession, you know, catches everything kind of guy. And this team hasn't had that player uh, in, in a very, very long time. And then you have, again, the Calloways and the Higginses of the world who, uh, who flashed some, some decent breakaway speed in, uh, 
in that, that first preseason game. So yeah, definitely a question mark because of the depth and the inexperience of some of those of some of those guys. Um, you know, Gordon coming back would make people feel a lot better. Clearly, um, you know, having Gordon on one side and Landry on the other was, and then with what Njoku looks like, he's going to be doing his second season. You know, things things are looking up. Um, but yeah, I think until the the, the dust settles around uh, the future of Josh Gordon, I think people are going to be a little concerned, and rightfully so. Yeah, I agree, and I think the fact that the, there is a lack of the NFL media pushing the Browns and the NFL for answers on Josh Gordon tells you everything you need to know about the situation with Josh Gordon. I think it's because the NFL media knows. Yeah, this story is probably closer to being over than it is not. Meaning that, guess what? He's probably not going to be around. That's been my gut instinct for a while, and I feel like everything that we're seeing now kind of proves that. People want to talk to me about the text message on I, on Hard Knocks, and I've maintained it's like, well, Hugh Jackson said the text message happened. I didn't see it. So, like, what are you going to say? So, I think that there's, I, I think it's a huge question mark. I don't think he plays week one. I don't think he plays all season if he is there week one. I think there are going to be more problems. So, let me ask you this. As we saw this a, a lot with the Twitter, we're talking to Scott from waitingfornextyear.com. Do we sign Des Bryant? Does that happen? It'll be interesting because he, he he clearly wasn't helping Dallas win. Um, no, his production in the last but, three years has been bad. Yeah, well, I mean, especially especially for the, you know the bar he set for himself. That said, I I mean he's a big frame, and even if you use him just as a red zone target, um, he I think he adds value to this team. But he's he needs hands. to. Yeah. The 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 issue is, you know, and I I realize who I'm talking about when I say this, but Des would need to come in and realize that would be his role. You know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be getting a thirty percent share target. He wouldn't be, you know, the the you're the focal point on on every third and long. You know what I mean? I think he would need to, you know, realize that this is a team, a young team, trying to build something here, and he has an opportunity to either, you know, provide you know some additional talent or or provide some experience. And as we were just talking about, a, a locker room that's that's relatively inexperienced. You know, is he? Is, you know, he it's. Is that the tweets are fun and everything. The, the, there's going to be some, some substantial vetting, I think, on John Dorsey's part to make sure he doesn't come in here and ruin this thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, he, when, when you have a young, impressionable, you know, wide receiver room that has a kid who's just got busted driving around at 3 in the morning with gun parts in his car and, and, and you know, suspended plates or whatever the situation was, um, you know, do you, want, do you want that in there as well? So, I mean, it's going to have to be a very, very careful vetting on both sides, I think. I think it would be fun. I think it would bring a lot of tickets, uh, focus, tickets, tickets, merch. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of upsides to be had there. You just got to make sure one of them's on the football field. I agree with you that it's all going to come down to Des Bryant and knowing what his role is, but Des Bryant is very much like Carmelo Anthony to me. I don't think that he's going to accept that being his role. It's a good comparison to be honest, um, because, you know, clearly I I think, I think when you look at the parallels of their careers, same guy, you know, there, there were there were moments where they were both probably top ten talents in the league, um, and and yeah, clearly at this phase of their careers, it need to be in a different spot. They did, and, and Melo clearly wasn't accepting that last season. Yeah, they're the same guy, top ten like scoring players, it, it, what you want, but they're awful teammates, and you wouldn't want them anywhere near you. That's Scott from WinningForNextYear.com, buddy. We'll talk to you again next week as uh, we'll send you out to Las Vegas for the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival. That's happening right now. Let's go! Rock 106.9 has your shot at a trip to our iHeartRadio Music Festival. Now, text Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9, sending you out to Vegas, 9 o'clock. For the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival, we'll give you your second keyword of the day. Also, 9.30, uh, somebody's trying to sell you more snake oil on the gym. 
and that, like a, a better way for you to work out and like this is going to be the surefire way to make sure you you know stay up on your workouts stay motivated on the workouts it's motivational monday they call it mondays so as everybody's got their snake oil they're trying to pedal you at 9:30 i'll debunk all of that I've had traditionally in my life bad luck, but I'm okay with it because in the one area in my life that I've had really good luck, I feel very, very fortunate. And that is, I do exactly what I want to do for a living. It's a big one. And I'm very lucky. Um, Make no mistake, talented, yes, but I don't care who you are, luck comes into what you do. Luck comes into, you know, you know the good things that happen to you and the bad luck happen. Dude, luck is a part of life. It's just part of it. I know a thousand talented guys that didn't catch the right breaks or didn't have, you know what I mean? Things, I mean, it's, it's just what happens, all right? I feel very fortunate over the fact that I don't wake up every day. Now, look, I didn't want to come to work today like anybody else. I would, would I rather have a ton of money and not have to work? Yes. But I wanted to come to my job today more than most of you wanted to go to where you're going. And I view that to be a very lucky part of my life. And that I honestly, sometimes I think about that when I'm walking around stores and stuff. I just try to figure out who people are and I start thinking about jobs and I start thinking about other jobs that are in the country. And I think to myself, oh God, I would hate doing that, but I really, really enjoy what I do. And I feel like most people probably don't like what they do. Yeah. On a day to day, when you're, when you're seeing people, usually you're seeing them at work. I mean, most times in your, I would say most human interactions come one side of, of them as employed. And I try to put myself in that. Like, how would I be acting if I was this person? And so many times I'm like, God, I would hate my life. Like, I would, I would hate absolutely it. hate it. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, luck, luck is definitely a part of it. It's a big part. Like, I feel very fortunate to do exactly what I wanted to do with my life my entire life and exactly what I feel like I was put on the earth to do and something I enjoy. I feel very, very lucky to have that. And the reason why we're talking to you about that is, is that most of you right now want to quit your job. Most of us would like to be able just to be like, go into the boss's office, slam the door, be like, you know what? You're an idiot. I don't like it here. You don't pay me enough money. I'm out. A lot of people would like to be able to do that, ourselves included. Now, there does come a time in your life, though, where you need to, or at least life is trying to show you, you know what? It's time. Let's move forward. That jobs sometimes need to be quit. That jobs sometimes need to be left behind. So then you have to figure out when's the best time for me to leave this job. Okay? So Maxim's trying to get to the end of this, trying to figure this out. Now, they have here a couple of reasons or a couple of scenarios in which it would be a good time for you to be like, you know what? I'm done doing this. Now, this one, the one we're going to start with, I don't necessarily agree with. But they say, you hate explaining what it is you do for your work. That employment comes up in every conversation, they say. And if you hate explaining what you do, or you don't think people will care about it or find it you know, interesting, then the real issue is that that's how you're feeling about your job and it's time for you to go. Now, here's what I would disagree with. That if you have a good job and you're providing well for your family, finding a way to make it sound interesting to another person isn't enough reason to put my family's wealth, you know, well-being right. at risk because I don't know how to tell John, my neighbor, what, that what I, what I program at work all day. Yeah, that, sorry. to me, is a dumb reason to quit a good gig. Sorry we have to go down to the food bank right now, but I don't want to have to tell somebody this. It makes no sense I, to me. I, I think really, don't get me wrong, there's probably situations where people don't necessarily feel comfortable with it, or it might be boring, or it might be under what they think they should be, where they should be in life. But, dude, I mean, there's ways to make things sound a 
little bit better. Like, you know, to, if, if, and I mean, not to say like a bank telling jobs is the worst job in the world, but saying I work in the financial industry, all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is, we this can is move on. Custodian over janitor. Is yeah, essentially sure. that's what we're doing. I'm not a bartender. I'm a mixologist. Or at least I work in the <laughs> hospitality industry. It's <laughs> something, yes. something there. That's how you do it. This don't is like your, your resume. <laughs> yeah, don't quit your job because you don't know what to tell your neighbor. <laughs> like, I can't imagine anybody with a good job would think about quitting their job over what to tell their neighbor. I don't know how to explain this That makes one. no sense to me. That is not a good time to quit your job. They say a good time to quit your job, though, is when your second job, your part-time job, your side hustle is what they're called now because Gary V took over the internet. Your side hustle, if that's taken off, time to quit your day job. They said everyone needs a side hustle. It's one of the quickest ways to becoming a millionaire or at least be more financially stable on your own. But if your side job is pulling in decent money or the time spent working on that job is more more enjoyable than the hour spent working on a full-time gig for someone else, time to quit. I disagree. I disagree. Dude, things you enjoy are always going to be more enjoyable than something you don't. There's a reason why they pay you to work. It's because it sucks, and you don't want to do it. That's why they give you the money. We were we were talking about a dude off the air recently, and he was in a cover band or something you mentioned, and he was like, dude, we're making so much money in this cover band, I'm going to quit my job. And when you said that to me, I was just like, dude, what an idiot. Like, my buddy is in a pretty successful cover band and they're be it, they're getting paid a lot of money to play out and he was like he's got like three serving jobs and he quit two of them and i was just like dude <laughs> like that seems like great now what's next year look like when it dries up and it inevitably will dry up like where's that money coming from where are you going to replace that revenue and yeah dude walking away because a side hustle's going good for a minute sounds like a mistake a huge mistake for me another uh, time they say is, is really good to quit your job is that if your life is just that much different now than it used to be when you were there or when you started they say six-figure salaries sound great at the time but after working there for years, you become a different person and you realize it's just not worth the stress or the misery of it. So you know what? It's time to do something different. I'd be very careful in America these days walking out on a six-figure job. Now, if you can replace it or you can replace what feels appropriate to you. So you go from you go from 105 down to 85 60. and you feel like, OK, hey, we can still live the lifestyle we want to. Maybe we're not going on vacation. Maybe I don't get to buy a new car next year, but I still get to spend more time with the family. I don't have to spend 70 hours at work. I can spend 40 hours at work. Maybe. But dude, you better be you better sit down and budget that out, because honestly, walking away from a six figure job sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't I don't suggest you do it, though, though, the, dude, uh, six figure. Jobs aren't just falling out of the sky. If the next promotion's not all that attractive to you, probably time to go. Like if the if where you can advance next, where you're working doesn't suit you, then you've probably hit your ceiling where you are. Time to find someplace else to work. Now that's at least I feel like sound. If you're trying to like closer, if you're trying to push your for your career forward, and you feel like this is as far as I can go here, I get that. You just once again, you got to make sure you have something lined up. If work is making you physically ill, and I know that sounds like a crazy thing, but some of you will have this where you're so miserable it's like causing back pain or causing like phantom pains in other areas if, it, dude, if that's what's happening or if it's the anxiety is like ripping up your stomach and that kind of thing dude it's probably time to quit that job especially the further down the list you go if you're if you have that job and it's it's giving you ulcers and you're making 35 a year then it's like okay i can replace thirty five thousand dollars. i right. can go find something else that isn't going to kill me the higher up that pay scale you go the higher the harder it's going to be to yeah, walk the more away you'll from have it to sell yourself out because yeah it's harder to, it's hard to make a living in america i have to be very careful how i say this because this is not my feeling okay i have no desire to quit my job 
Um, you know what? That's not necessarily true. <laughs> it's not. There are days where I have a strong desire to quit this job. And I, actually, social media really has been pushing me closer and closer to wanting to quit this job. The gotcha movements, the everybody's a bigot if you don't agree with this, and just the lack of sense of humor surrounding things, and everybody's identity politics mucking everything up has made this a very tricky thing to navigate. Now, sometimes that makes it more fun, but most of the times it just drags it down. But my therapist, actually, for those of you that have been listening, no, I've been, it's been, uh, well, o- almost over a year and a half now that I've been back, um, begs me routinely to give it up and claims that I will never be happy until I do give it up. She uh, says to me all the time, she's like, you claim that the thing you do is, is the only thing that supplies you happiness. She's like, your head is going to explode when you finally wrap your head around the fact that you won't have calmness and you won't enjoy your life until you give that up. She's like, I know it sounds very, very, uh, you know, conflicted to what it is your mentality and what you think you think is. She's like, Dan, she's like, but that's the whole reason why you're here. She goes, I hate to break it to you. Until you do that, you're never going to find the happiness you're in my office searching for every week. And I don't know if she's right or not, but she's got a degree and I don't. So there's part of the, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe she's right, but I don't want to give it up. I just, I really don't. Um, about I would be I would be honest about the fact that part of it is a financial decision. It's not always it's not just passion. That part of it is this is how I make my living. This is how I support myself. But she claims if 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 I really want to do what it is I claim I'm in there for, that the only way to do it is to give this up. So who knows? Well, uh, I guess you'll have to stick around to find out if she's right on that. Church is trying to amp itself up and trying to pull you right back in, right? Church knows. People are out on God, kind of out on the religion thing. They're trying to pull you back in. This idea is a little crazy. That's next on Rock 106.9. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Online for you at WRQK.com. Sending you out to Las Vegas coming up at 9 o'clock for the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival. Give me your next keyword of the day. All right. We live in the era now where, where where everything has to be all things to everyone. Otherwise, you don't want to go. Okay. Right? Sporting events now have to be like, they have to give you constant entertainment in between the breaks. they got to be fire for when the players are coming out of the tunnel. It's got to be dance teams. There's got to be all this. Otherwise, it, it's not enough entertainment for your dollar. Right? Everybody's got to be all things to everybody. This started with retail is, is who started this. Back in the day, it used to be like, well, you went to the butcher, and then you went here for the bakery, and then you went here for this, and then this, and then somebody went, why are we doing this? Let's put everything in one store. They'll love it. They'll come here. They'll, we'll, we'll build the shopping carts, and they can put everything in one cart, and then they're done. We do love it, dude. And not only that, not only that, screw that. Not only will we put it all in one store for them, then we'll make them ring it out before they leave the store, and then they'll have to pay us for them doing all the work. It'll be great. Everything has to be all things to everybody now, and church is going to have to go the same route church is losing people they realize they are and again i keep talking about this with social media social media and the internet especially is an over-examination machine it removes smoke and mirrors you can continue to go down the search rabbit hole and find things that fly in the face of so of course less and less people are buying into the bible and religion as we have more and more information that kind of flies in the face of it people are like uh maybe not so much there Right? Of course that's going to happen with social media. Yeah, I think that has to at least been a part of it. I mean, I think that there's been plenty of 
what do I want to say, religious controversies. I think there's a lot, much like the NFL, I think it's a perfect storm against religion right now. But yes, certainly, monster. certainly, certainly what you mentioned is a big part of what's going on there. I think, yeah, once you can start to examine more and more things, I have said this, social media removes the smoke and mirrors around establishments. And you can start to question more and more things and more people can have their opinion and you'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. Well, what about that? And yeah, yeah, answer that question. And the further you go down any rabbit hole, the real, and this is why more and more people are feeling despair, by the way. Just so you know, this is the why more and more people are depressed. This is why more and more people have anxiety. And this is why you feel more despair is because you're finding out now through social media and through technology that the establishments your parents told you were going to be in your life forever will make you happy, make these decisions. You're finding out it was all lip service. It's all BS. And there's no brass ring at the end of the game. And you're finding that out more and more now. And that's why you're unhappy. Because you're realizing it's all a shell game and you've been hustled your entire life. That's where the misery is coming from. But now church is trying to reach out. I told you about a year ago I was actually woke. Not this 2018 version, right? I told you I was actually woke. And I remember telling you then, if you really want to come out on the inside, it's going to be depressing. Now church is now reaching out for you too. As Santa Cruz now, our church now has added a brewery. Because you can't get anybody to do anything unless you got craft beer in it now. Want to come over and play cornhole? Cool, you got a craft brewery in your backyard? Then I'll do it. Now, church needs a brewery. Now, this flies in the face of the religion I grew up in, not that that's not, or the religious beliefs that I grew up in, not that my way was right and your way is wrong, but my parents were a little anti the alcohol there. But again, my dad came to religion and became a minister because his life was out of control. And then he found God, and then all of a sudden that gave him the strength, at least he believes, to then straighten his life out. Is this being used in like a religious sense, like uh, it's the blood of Christ, or is this like, yo, you can just drink a beer while you're at church? The Greater Purpose Community Church in Santa Cruz sold its building and now meets at a food lounge, which includes beer on tap. But the, but the church wants to take it even further by having a religious space with a brewery. He says here, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't drink alcohol in a responsible manner. No, as a matter of fact, Jesus turned water into wine, did he not? Probably not, but at least we were told he did, but he probably didn't do it. They're looking at converting an old bookstore into a brewery where they can hold services. Isn't this just a drinking group that wants to like hide underneath the guise of the fact that they're going to be a church and a religion to get out of paying taxes? The answer, yes. The answer is yes. Dude, if you want to go to church and get your, your weekly dose of God, I'm all for it. As a kid who had to go three times a week when I grew up, three times a week. Once on Wednesday, twice on Sunday now. I've had more religion than most of you, right? As a, as a kid who had to go three times a week as growing up, you want to go get your weekly dose of God, that's fine. But just like anything else, isn't that enough? Why, why, why do I got to hit you on five other levels to get you to want to go do that? Is, is, is the point of like society evolves so does religion kind of have to follow along with it just like language or you know any other form of well, culture yes I, I i like how you set that up but i could argue that that's not that that's not evolving that's sliding right that, that if you need yeah, to be boozy I mean, for christ that that's sliding not evolving i just think that whatever avenue and i guess maybe this is what you know the people here feel like whatever avenue it takes to get to you to get you to the to the word of the lord or the light of god or i don't know whatever the terminology is here whatever right. whatever it takes right. whatever it takes to get us there that's what we're going to have to do cuz that's like one of the things about the internet that yeah some people have been driven away from it because it's like well now i can google stuff but then there's probably some people who have been reached out where it's like oh i forgot about that or I didn't, you know, I, I deprioritized that in my life, and now somebody reached out to me. I, 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 do I think it's a great idea? No, but I don't. I'm not surprised when it's like, "Yo, wear your football jersey here, and we're just gonna meet at this movie theater." And like, it's to me the ceremony of church. 
in most avenues seems to have kind of like gone by the wayside. Yeah. Again, because we can examine everything. We can see too far down the rabbit hole now. That belief and faith have been erased by Twitter, by by Google. Because it's harder to get people to be like, nah, just believe. When we can, can when we can, there's more and more scientific, there's more and more facts, there's more and more stuff out there. And that's where the despair, that's where the anxiety, that's where the that, that's where all of it comes from, is because you're starting to see all this stuff you were told your entire life would make you so happy isn't doing it. Isn't doing it. There's no brass ring at the end of the game, bro. You're literally just running around the maze looking for the cheese. Your opportunity to head out to Las Vegas is next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9. Another opportunity to uh, head out to Las Vegas for the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival is right around the corner. We'll give you your next keyword here momentarily. You'll text it in. Off to Vegas you go. Get you out of Ohio for a while. Back-to-back nights of killer shows. Sean, Steve, Sam, Mendez, all part of that. Fleetwood Mac, Leonard Skinner, Justin Timberlake, slew of others. We'll send you out to Vegas. God, I miss Vegas. Phantom's never been. No, I've never been. That's crazy. It is kind of crazy. Maybe uh, maybe the company's going to send me this time. Maybe I'll be joining whoever wins. I doubt it. No? I doubt it. Son of a bitch. I doubt it. Would be nice, though. We should, I, the, outside of like the iHeartRadio Music Festival thing, the program, like we should do a show's trip to Vegas, though. Like That's crazy you've never been there. It is kind of. I, I feel like I kind of uh, laying down on my job as an American a little bit there, well, dude. That's not only that, but you lived pretty close for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty poor at that time, so it was kind of uh, just like, ah, dude, whatever. I guess nothing to change that much. But uh, it, it was just one of those things where it never happened for me. There was times we were like, oh yeah, we're gonna do it, and then it didn't happen for whatever reason. Maybe I got another job, or who you know, who knows. And then it just turned into all of a sudden, like, dude, I'm 34 and I've never been to Vegas. Poor in Vegas is a hard way to go. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a story. So when I left Oregon, I didn't have all that much money. Sunk everything into the business. We just sold the business. We were waiting for like the money to be cashed back out for me to get my money back. And I didn't have a lot of money. And uh, I had moved back to Las Vegas, and I was staying there for a while. And two of my friends came to visit. My friend Jessica and her uh, then boyfriend, now husband, Jim. And I knew him a little bit, not a ton. Um, but Jim's got a little bit of money. He's one of those mover shakers, kind of owns like three of his own businesses, kind of you know, buys and sells stuff. He's just he's very savvy, knows how to turn a dime. And so they came to Vegas and they both had money. And I was in between jobs and I didn't. And I didn't know him all that well. So I didn't feel comfortable with somebody else buying me dinner. Somebody sure. I don't know like that, right? And she kept telling me, oh, don't worry, don't worry. This is why we're here. And I was like, no, 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 I can't do it. That I ended up going up and down the Vegas strip with them for two days with the same $20 bill in my pocket and never broke it. Wow. You, I mean, for those of you that have been to Vegas, that is impossible. It is crazy hard. As a matter of fact, I pulled it out and put it back in my pocket so many times, I like tempted to, to like do something with it that it ripped in half. I still have that $20 bill. I make no mistake, it is ripped in half, it's framed, and it's at my house. As, like in a, as, to, as a reminder of how bad life can get, that when I want to bitch about my current situation, not so bad. Not so bad. That it could be that. And just to remember that, like I framed it for that reason. Made it up and down the strip for two days, same $20 bill, never broke it. Crazy. It was really, really hard. We have a piece of audio here um, that I was not aware of until this morning. As a matter of fact, somebody down the hallway just made me aware of it. Um, This all surrounds a woman that I cannot stand. I hate. I've hated her since she hit the celebrity market back in the day when she was on Celebrity or on The Apprentice. And I absolutely hate her. 
Um, as a matter of fact, it was one of the reasons why when the president came here uh, and was at, was at the convention center or whatever it is there that I went because I was like, I, I know she's going to speak and I just want to hate on her in person. Omarosa. She's one of the most unlikable people in the history of the world. She was there at the thing at the Civic Oh, Center? yeah. She, oh. she introduced him. I did not know that. She introduced him. I did not Girl's know got that. got massive junk in the trunk, by the way. She was wearing an all-black dress. You oh, totally see yeah, it. Yeah, dude. dude. I was sitting right off the stage. I mean, I could see. I mean, I shook Trump's hand when he was here. Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. Erwear. Okay. Erwear. I'm surprised you don't love her, dude. She's got that booty. She's the one of the most annoying people I've ever heard speak in my life. She drives me absolutely crazy. I hate Omarosa. But I saw all weekend, and I didn't really get into this because I was just like, you know, and I'm trying to stay away from this stuff over the weekend as much as I possibly can. But, you know, I saw like the Ben Shapiro's of the world and the Dave Rubens of the world tweeting out, how ironic would it be if Omarosa is the only person from the Trump administration to go to jail? So obviously people think that she had done something she wasn't supposed to do, and I guess this is all surrounding the fact that she recorded the president when he didn't know. Now, I'm not going to get into the legalities of, you know, um, you know, recording somebody when they don't know. Certain states are one party, two party. It all depends on where you're at. Um, I can tell you that having been recorded without my knowledge, having that information then used against me, it can be a bitch. It can be an absolute bitch. Now, it ended up being more trouble for somebody else in that situation than it was for me. But it was still a part of my life that I do not wish to bring back. But we have now, this is... According to what we're being told, Omarosa on the phone with the current president, Donald Trump, shortly after being relieved from her duties by General Kelly. This is that audio. Omarosa, what's going on? I just saw on the news that you're thinking about leaving. What happened? General Kelly... General Kelly came to me and said that you guys wanted me to leave. No, I, I, nobody even told me about it. Nobody. Wow. You know, they run a big operation, but I didn't know it. I didn't know that. Damn it. I don't love you leaving at all. Now, everybody's like beating up on, on the president over this, you know, because everybody wants to, you know, call over his his wording, the verbiage there of, you know, they run a big operation and. You know, again, this is not the first piece of audio where we've heard the president not necessarily articulate himself the best way. Um, but again, you know, people are like, what? You're the president. You're running into the big operation. I don't know. I mean, dude, don't guys on staff have hire and fire ability with their job title? I would think. I would hope the president doesn't have to personally fire every single person in there. That'd be crazy. But he would have been made aware of that, right? Like when when by the time it hit the news, you would have thought that he, he wouldn't have well, called and been it, like, hey, did this or what happened? We may have to change that standard of by the time something hit the news, you should know because things hit the news faster now than they ever have because the people involved now tell the news. It used to be the news had to track everything down. This and that. Now somebody, now the person calls and or tweets it themselves. Well, wouldn't so that, I'm not sure that that has to be true. Isn't isn't that a problem that you have people hired that are calling the news before you know about yes, it? Yes, that's a problem. Yes, I'm not. Look, it's I'm not in here to say that there's no problems with what happened here. It's just the problems that you're being told are problems via Twitter because everybody likes to celebrate anytime something bad happens for the Donald Trump administration. That, that, that those are necessarily problems. I don't think those are necessarily problems. I would expect General Kelly to have the ability to hire and fire staff at will. I expect that to be part of the, the thing. Now, not telling the president you're going to fire somebody who was very close to him, that he chose to have introduce him at rallies and things like that, that that is a little bit of a, like a weird thing, I would admit that. But that's a problem between General Kelly and the president. I guess that's... If, if nothing else, kind of like the whole thing that I saw over the weekend was that it does seem, if nothing else, that there's a lot of miscommunication going on here, that things n- not nearly as smooth as they're presented. 
Well, again, I'm a realistic person. So I guess I expect that. And I know it to be true in every administration before this one. That nothing's going as smoothly as people present it. That's why there's PR firms. That's why you have a. a that's why you have a a person who handles the media because it's somebody. That's why you have a press secretary to go out there and clean up the mess that's really happening to put a spin on what's happening. Every administration's got more trouble going on than what we know or what we see. I think honestly, what's happening now with a little bit with the Trump administration is again social media has taken a massive leap from when it was like first introduced and under the last presidency till now. Even you, the end user, uses your social media differently now than we used to. Twitter's now the fastest news source there is. It's It's the reason why I won't delete it. I absolutely hate it. As a matter of fact, when I checked in with it yesterday for the first time, I checked Twitter last. I checked all my other social media platforms and it was all like, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. Sure enough, the first tweet I opened up yesterday was about how all white people are racist. Now, Facebook didn't have anything on it. Instagram didn't have anything on it. Snapchat didn't have anything on it. You open up Twitter, white people are racist. It's just a place for people to go and bitch and just to complain about things. But so that's how the news is happening now, though, is it's through these mediums. So I can't go with, well, by the time it hits CNN, because things are hitting faster now than ever before. Should he have been made aware that staff's being moved around? Yes. Is it a problem that if General Kelly feels like he can do stuff without having the respect or showing the president the respect of, hey, I'm about to fire somebody that we know is very close to you? Yeah, I would admit that that's a problem. And that if you don't have the respect of the of the people working directly underneath you to tell you what's going on day in and day out of what your position is, that I would worry about that. She claims there's a lot more tapes. Do you think it's something for the Trump organization to be concerned with, or do you think this is all just going to kind of be brushed to the side as like side noise? Well, I think you'd have to be at least a little concerned given the fact of what we've seen him willing to say on record. So what is he willing to say? What's he saying that, that he's not willing for public consumption? So is there something on those tapes that's probably not good for him? Yes. Now, she does claim he had never said the N-word in her presence. She does say, look, that smoking gun you're hoping for, that N-word, it doesn't exist. It's not out there. And again, that's what Twitter wants to do. Twitter wants to make Donald Trump racist. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and call the guy a great president. But nobody has sold me on the racist argument as of yet. I haven't seen the exact evidence of that. The okay symbol isn't that. You can show me that all you want. That's not that. You haven't sold me on the racist thing. You've got me on the not not the best president ever thing. You got me on you with that. On the he's an absolute racist, you haven't sold me on that yet. This is Capone. You need the smoking gun. If that's the accusations you're going to go with, it can't just be, well, this kind of looks that way, and this is sort of this, and yeah, you know really what he's meaning to say is this. No, 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 you can't do that. It's the president. If you're going to call the guy a racist, if we're going to sling races around his neck, you got to have the smoking gun. Twitter, you, you ain't got the smoking gun. You just don't have it. More Stansberry Show and the debunking of snake oil on how to stay motivated at the gym. That's next on Rock 106.9. Let's Rock 106.9 has your shot at a trip to our iHeartRadio Music Festival. Now, Tech 6 9 Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. It's in the out to Las Vegas. No, actually, Teresa will do that Yeah, at 11. We already did our last one. We did. God, this show's going faster than I thought. Today's just been all thrown off, dude, and it was because we didn't do the first break of the show. Started late. And yeah. That's just, and I know it's like, well, you had to do less work, but all day I've just been off because of that. Like, yeah, It feels really fast. All right, I have uh, I have said this a couple of times that there are a few ways to make sure you don't go broke. All right, if somebody else has to pay you to live somewhere, you're probably not going to go broke. 
Okay. Right? Okay. If you put out a product telling bald men they'll get their hair back, you're going to make money. Yeah. If you put out a product of guys worrying about their penis and telling them that this was going to make your penis stronger, you're going to make money. Okay? And in this country, if you put out a product and tell people it's going to make them skinny or will help get them skinny, just watch the money roll in. Yeah, dude, either getting them fat or getting them skinny, one of the two ways, dude. Make you just, money. you know, throw more bacon on it or, you know, get them on get them get them get them pounds off them, that's going to work. So, let's just dispel a couple of things here. You know why you can't get skinny? You know really what it is? I don't want to, you know, thyroids, this. You can talk to me about all this BS. Here's why you can't get skinny. It's because food is delicious. It's because food is cheap and delicious and available to you 24 hours a day. You think my dad had 20? Do you think my dad's dad had 24 hour restaurants? He didn't. After eight o'clock at night, shut down, bro. You weren't eating all hours of the night. That's part of it for sure, right? The access to easy, cheap, high-calorie meals is everywhere. Yeah, the convenience factor is just a huge, huge, huge part of it. Um, I think that people, you know, you, you're working out on a farm 200 years ago. Yeah, dude, you probably came home and ate a significant amount of food, um, but you were you out there it. doing something, right? You were out there a part of it. Now right. it's just we have this capability to eat whatever we want, whenever we want, and no longer is it eating to live, like, all right, I have to put enough calories in my body to fuel myself. It's eating for boredom or eating for, you know, Know, filling that hole in you or whatever it is, it's no longer about just putting fuel back in the in, in the vehicle. Not there. at all. No, not at all. It's it's a, it's about yeah, filling up your day. That's why you can't get skinny. It's not that that you don't have access to this or this or that. It's the fact that food is delicious. Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to fill the 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 soul the soul size gap within you with with you know with burgers. And again, what everything Fantone just said it backs up another point I'm always making, which is your jobs are easier than they used to be. You're not out there lifting heavy things in the field, bale and hay and all that stuff that hard-ass farmers have to do. You're pressing enter on that keyboard, shipping stuff from Bali, right? So that's why you sit down more than you ever have. You're consuming more calories than you ever have. Food portion sizes have gone up dramatically in your lifetime. You're drinking massive amounts of sugary sodas, sugary drinks. You Dude, there's a million things, right? So now there's this new thing that they say is going to help keep people motivated at the gym. And they say, dude, this is what happens is you start going to the gym and then you stop, right? And that is true. You see it all the time with people, okay? Now the thing they want you to do is they want you to download these apps. And you're going to link these apps. And they're going to be linked to your PayPal account. And then when you don't go to the gym, you owe this app money. If you didn't check in at the gym, you owe this app money. You set it when you first get the app, and if you miss your four times a week, they take $10 from you. And the theory is loss aversion will then prevent you from skipping your workouts. Guys, we've had gym memberships forever. The amount of people that pay for a gym membership and stop going to the gym is astronomical. It's got nothing to do with loss aversion. What it has is, is you mean to tell me this is really what it is. You mean to tell me loss aversion is going to, to prevent the it's not my fault society from being fat? No, you've been shoveled BS about how it's not your fault that you're fat and somebody else is doing things to you and you don't have the time and it's hard and you don't want to and you've been sold that if you don't want to, that that's okay. Or that if you're fat, it's a medical condition. No, what it is is you're 
a fat and lazy person and you don't want to be anything but fat and lazy. The truth of the matter is this. If you're the kind of person that's going to go to the gym and stick out your workouts, then you're that kind of person. Loss aversion isn't going to make you something you weren't yesterday. Gym memberships have been expensive for 10 years. They continue to charge you when you don't go. And yet, if that's not going to stop you, how is downloading another app going to do it? I guess the thing that if 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 you're already paying that upfront and you know that like hey that's my monthly whether I go or I do not go like ten dollars is my monthly fee. If you're hitting them more, the problem is is I think what would make more sense here instead of hey we're going to take two dollars away for every workout you do not do. Okay, I think what would make more sense pay we'll, me to go. That's what I was going to yes. say. Is that would make and I'm not saying like any one person specifically. I'm just saying as a whole. I think a reward system there would be more effective to like hey you get this every time you go here's your extra two bucks that's that's gonna work better than taking it away because when you take it away from me it just feels like well dude i can spare two bucks i mean whatever like who cares it's ten dollars a month for that gym membership if i go if i don't go it's it's inconsequential if you're giving me a reward if it's more carrot than stick i think that at least for in in this situation probably would make more sense now some of the more economical gyms maybe this flies in the face of but my gym's expensive like my gym is i i'm a why i'm a stark county y member now that every month has cost me 42 dollars now it cost me like 75 to join and then it was like another 42 dollars a month now that would be a lot of money so if you're not using that now some of these gyms that are 10 dollars a month maybe you don't care if you miss it yeah or not. it's inconsequential maybe, yeah. maybe that's part of it now with these apps you can set your limit but i maintain that loss aversion isn't going to do this. You don't go to the gym because you're not the kind of person who's going to go to the gym. Nothing, dude, here's what it really boils down to. You know what got me back in the gym after like eight years of not doing it? Being disgusted with who I am. Not buying the USA BS line that it's not my fault. Not buying into somebody else made this happen to me. By looking in the mirror, getting grossed out and disgusted about the fact that I know better and that I am better and I allowed this to happen to me. Getting fed up is what what made me get back in the gym? If you're, dude, if you're not disgusted by what you see in the mirror, you ain't never going. It's time to stop buying the BS lie. You're overweight. Get the gym membership and get your punk ass in there. It's nobody else's fault. It's all always, always on you. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. You guys hang on. Dan Stansberry and his boy Wonder Matt Fantone. At last, two heroes. The Stansberry Show. Yo guys, Fantone from the Stansberry Show here to tell you about the Rollholt Vision Institute. It still happens to me all the time, dude. I wake up in the morning, I reach for my glasses, and all of a sudden I remember, dude, you do not need those. I got 20-20 vision thanks to the LASIK surgery I had done at Rollholt. And I'm telling you, your summertime is going to be so much easier when you don't have to worry about glasses or contacts. So if you've been thinking about LASIK surgery, I know you have some questions, which is why the Rollholt Vision Institute has made everything perfectly clear for you at their website. That is RollholtVision.com. 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Teresa has your next opportunity to head out to Vegas for the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival. She'll give you your next keyword at 11 o'clock. Yeah, we haven't gotten to this yet, but apparently Aretha Franklin not doing great. No. So maybe tomorrow that's when we're going to have to tell people to settle down on celebrity death. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. I mean, who thought Aretha Franklin was still alive? Nobody. Yeah, kind of fair. I, I wouldn't have known for sure. I would have had to have looked. If I would have asked you yesterday, Stansberry, Ruth Franklin alive or dead, you'd have been like, mm-hmm. If I had not seen Twitter over the last couple of days, yes, your point stands that I would have had to have been like, I don't know, let's ask Google that question. Do they know? Uh, I mean, she a badass lady. There ain't no doubt. I mean, she could no blow doubt. it down for sure. No doubt. But she's no Tom Petty in my book.
I mean, what do I know? But she, you know, she was talented or is talented. We, she's still here. She's still here. Dude, did you see this thing that uh, dude Scott and I uh, from WaitingForNextYear.com were uh, texting back and forth during the break? Apparently, yeah. dude, there's some Peter King drama. Yeah. Uh, Peter King, normally a pretty widely respected NFL reporter, one of the more reputable, yeah. n- you know, names that can be involved in something like this. Apparently, there was a joke or something that happened on Pro Football Talk, uh, one of these like blogger type sites, where somebody had said something like, ah, you know, uh, Todd Haley had said it wasn't his idea to keep Baker Mayfield on the bench, and that was like a joke. And I guess Peter King ran with it in an article that he's like did or something and now then he took it back out and now he's answering the question he says it's a joke that went over his head but people are now like now nah, peter king's an idiot and saying it was a joke that went over he himself peter king's head okay so he's at least fessing up to the mistake here of like this is on me i'm the one who f this up okay because originally i thought it was he put it in there as a joke and it went over our heads but okay if he was like hey somebody said this to me i didn't necessarily recognize it as as being fictitious okay i can get it now. yeah that's a little crazy that's a little crazy i know a lot of people um that's why people that's why a lot of people on twitter don't want an edit button because a lot of people are going back and like editing their stories uh, like on facebook and things like that and people are like look you can get away with a lot more now at least what you should do there is like okay you put it in an edit button I, the end user, should be able to unedit, see what you put in first. Oh, dude, he did. It was just a typo here that he fixed up. Facebook does give you that. Right. So, like, I I think that's probably at least that way you can keep people true to what they said. For actual um, reporting and that kind of thing, I understand what people's take on the edit button is. But for a guy who doesn't proofread his tweets enough before he hits send, dude, just give it to me. Just give it to me. thumbs. I didn't mean to say it. That was dumb. But there's a happy medium there. I, as a guy who rails against social media as much as he does, I have to get better about that. Like, I'll just type on my phone, press send, and then it's like, oh, damn it, that. Or, oh, damn it, that. Like, I, as, as a guy who's been burned on that like 10 times, you would think I would learn that lesson, but Never I have learns. not. Never learned. I have not learned that lesson. Teresa will send you out to Vegas for the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival. She'll do it right after 11 a.m. this morning on Rock 106.9. We're done for the day. Be back at it live tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 106.9. Or you can podcast today's show shortly after 10 a.m. at WRQK.com. More Stansberry Show is... On the way next for you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 106.9. You guys have a great day. See you.